the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Crossover, step back! Where the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia comes to get their sports live. Is this the tagger? It is a great night to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. Agent back to pass. Rush down the pocket. Throwing it downfield. It's into the end zone. Oh, he caught it! Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner, Luke Wiggs, and Parker Stone. It is a Thursday the 27th. You're tuned into Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths. Since 1995, Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths have delivered distinguished remodeling services to our home community of Martinsburg. From new construction to remodeling, Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths can design your new kitchen or bath. From their talented designers, come here to life any concept you'd like to create. Check out MountaineerKitchensandBath.com on Facebook, or you can visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. I'm Jordan Ice Winter, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Good morning, fellas. Good morning. morning. How you guys doing? You know, not bad. I just uh, was scrolling through Twitter, saw somebody put a compilation of their favorite Joe Buck postseason baseball calls. Oh, if oh I man. were to make a compilation of my favorite Joe Buck postseason calls, it would be empty. Yeah. Or it would just be the David Freeze home run from the 2011 yeah. World Series, which he stole from someone else. Uh, the what do you mean? In, it was somebody else's call. Oh, was it? Yeah, he was piggybacking off of another famous call from, uh, I forget what other World Series, the We Will See You Tomorrow Night. Uh, but needless to say, uh, I, I do not understand people's infatuation with Joe Buck. If you like Joe Buck, text us. Let me know why. Because he is just the 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 bastion of mediocrity. Yep, 304-263-4321 is the text line. 304-263-4321. I would have to wholeheartedly agree with you, Luke. <laughs> I cannot stand Joe Buck. Never have, never will. I, the, my biggest pet peeve with him is that he just talks. I mean, of course his job is to talk, right? Our job is to talk. I don't like him because he speaks. But he doesn't stop. Like, you got to stop at some point, right? Especially if it's like, yeah, if it's a big hit, right? Yes, you have to call the game and do do your thing, but you don't have to continuously talk. If I'm watching, I mean, you hear a lot of people say, too, that they would much rather watch these games just with no commentary at all, just the stadium and natural sound, which we saw, I feel like, during the pandemic, um, which I was okay with, but you still need that person talking. But yeah, Joe Buck is the absolute worst. <laughs> what do you think, Parker? Yeah, he's uh, he's he's not my favorite to listen to. He's so he's sometimes tolerable, but I do agree with your sentiment there. He sometimes talks over a moment when you don't need. I'll, I'll give him a little bit of credit. The uh, Diggs call with the uh, Minneapolis true. miracle that, right, that was a good call. Right. That was a good call. I'll give him that one, but. It's just a lot of the time. It's just he feels like he's talking when he just needs to let the moment happen. Well, and we got a, we got a text here saying Joe Buck is the equivalent to Chris Collinsworth, the MLB equivalent to Chris Collinsworth. Now I I, I, don't hate I like Chris Call. I like Chris, man. I I get the I I, I enjoy the goofiness. Well, I like here's Chris. A guy. Now, here's I don't a guy. mind. I don't mind Tony Romo either. I love Tony Romo. Romo's yeah. great. He now I would hate to do a game with Tony Romo because talk about a guy that won't shut That's up. True. But That's you know, true. if you want somebody to not stop talking, it's a legitimate not a Hall of Famer, obviously, but close to it quarterback that actually knows what they're talking about. Right. Not some broadcaster from Syracuse. You know, not, not, not to add Tony Carita or anything. <laughs> just some broadcaster just, from just Syracuse. Some Jabroni Joe who got cut from what? his high school J V team. I For- will say though, 
as much as it pains me, Tony Romo's not a Hall of Fame quarterback. No, he's not. He's I, not. I, I what just meant he, he was a good quarterback. Yeah, what he's did not. He win? It's, he's in the Hall of Very Good. Yeah. If you, He's right next to Jamal Charles and Brandon Marshall from the 2000s. Just pop them all together in the Hall of Very Good. Yeah, he didn't good. win anything. Yeah. Did, um, he, did he ever I, win a playoff game? No. Did he not? So. I don't think he won a playoff game. He might have won one. If you know the answer, text us at 304-263-4321. How many playoff games or any did Tony Romo win? Because... I don't think he won any. I don't think he did either. But also, real to kind of finish up the commentator conversation. Two playoff games. Two playoff games. Which is not very good if you're on the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Uh, but FP Santangelo, for the Nats fans in the uh, in the listening area, he's no longer on the uh, TV crew for Masson because he had some off-field stuff that came up after you know his time in the bigs. Uh, but he was, I thought, the equivalent to Tony Romo for baseball, and he was amazing. But, man, if you ever got on Twitter during a game, he would just be getting destroyed constantly, and it felt so bad for old FP Santangelo, uh, which he's now a radio guy, funny, oddly enough, out in uh, San Francisco. But, yeah. Anyways, uh, let's talk a little Mountaineer football, and uh, a little bit later on this morning, we're going to be chatting with D2Football.com's PSAC columnist, Kerry Moyer, talking about, well, the Shepherd Rams. Uh, I'm interested to hear why they have them ranked at six all year long in the D2Football.com poll, that they've been, thir- well, now that they're three in the uh, Football Coaches of America's poll, but we'll be chatting with him about that coming up uh, after our bottom of the hour break, but West Virginia TCU coming up. Every time I hear that uh, matchup be named, I also hear Parker saying that they're going to get blown out. So what do you guys think about this TCU game? Well, it's it's going to be tough to see who's going to end up taking the field for WVU because they're down players in their secondary. They're most likely going to be down both Tony Mathis, who is out, uh, and C.J. Donaldson. Uh, I'm sorry, Justin Johnson's the one that's out. Donaldson yes. will play. Don, uh, Justin Johnson and Tony Mathis are both out. So they're down to their third string running back, which is obviously C.J. Donaldson took the world by storm, but then he missed significant time with injury. So it's Anderson behind him and then walk on. You know, we are expecting if if either of those two are not able to go, then Garrett Green would get put into the game as a running back. And I just we don't want that. Um, and, and like I said, secondary, they're going to be down an offensive lineman. I don't know who's going to be on the field for WVU uh, against a very, very, very good TCU team. That's the Big 12's last hope for the college football playoff. Max Duggan, who seems to have been in college football for 15 <laughs> years, he's figuring it out this year. He's thrown 19 uh, touchdowns to just one interception. Mountaineer fans may remember, though, the last time he was at uh, Milan Pushkar Stadium, he was terrible. Uh, so maybe being able to recreate that magic and wreak some havoc on him, but Quentin Johnson's a good receiver for them. And an interesting stat that was brought up, I think it was on Sportsline last night, which of course you can hear on this station at 6.06 to 7 o'clock at night, uh, is a starting quarterback, not a single starting quarterback has finished the game against TCU this year. They've either been knocked out due to injury or they've been knocked out because it's a blowout and the second string guy has come in. So uh, one quarterback has not taken snaps for the entire game against WVU, which says a lot to their defense's ability to get after the quarterback. I'm not implying that they're hitmen, that they're you know trying to hurt anybody, but they're a physical team, um, and they're not exactly the team that you want to be playing when you're in the midst of a downward spiral coming off a pretty brutal loss to Texas Tech. It's just, if you lose that bad to Texas Tech and you've still got that much of your roster together and you're coming in depleted against a TCU team again that is looking like the world beaters of the Big 12 right now. It's it's not looking pretty. It, I, I want to be more hopeful than what I am, but I, I really think TCU is going to win by at least two touchdowns, if I'm going to be completely honest with both of you guys. It it doesn't look too good. It's, well, if they play like they did last week, especially without it could, any it could of the be, guys. It could if they're going to play like they played last week, they shouldn't show up. Yeah. No, 
Just and keep everybody with, healthy for another week. Yeah, ten percent of their teams there. <laughs> I think really the only chance West Virginia has right now is for TCU to be really messed up with the travel going up to Morgantown. Yeah. I think that's the only real thing that's in the Mountaineers' corner right now. Other than that, I it just have to be a shootout. They they don't yeah. win this game unless they score forty points. Well, what does their what does the end of the schedule look like travel wise? Do they K State comes to Morgantown? I think. Yes. Do they have they have one more long road trip, or well, I guess they're all long they're road all trips. Long road but trips. They, yeah, I think they only have one more. Um, are they going? To, are they at Iowa State? Is that right? In Ames or wherever? Because I know they have Oklahoma at home. So it's uh, TCU at home, then they go to Iowa State, and then they're home uh, to Oklahoma and Kansas State. And that's kind of no disrespect, obviously, the Wildcats who are ranked right now. Right. But that's your hail mary. Got to yeah. get something out of the you know. After this, having them at home after this week against TCU, you get Iowa State's probably the only team that you could argue the Mountaineers would be favored against, but it's at Ames, so they're not right. going to be. Mm-hmm. And then a down on their luck Oklahoma team, and then Kansas State at home, and then you go to Oklahoma State, who's probably going to be the other side of the Big Twelve championship game. So if you get stomped by TCU, you know you got to rattle off three wins in a row. I mean, we're I think we've reached the point where we can't say this team's a lock for a bowl. We can't say that this team's going to win three games in a row and make a bowl. Uh, but you know they have to pull probably two wins out of their next three, or the the conversation uh, about Neil Brown's departure with WVU it, it's going to get expedited. And just as a quick side note to Mountaineer fans that are listening to this, uh, the Hugh Freeze rumors are not true. Hugh, 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 Hugh Freeze <laughs> we're is shutting not, that down. Yeah, we're shutting that down on this show. Nobody else will. You heard it here first. The Hugh Freeze rumors are not true. He will not be the next coach of the Mountaineers. Now, but to be honest, I don't see I don't necessarily see a win for the Mountaineers the rest of the season. No, I think like, the, I think the only chance they have is at Iowa State. Yeah. The rest of them I don't think they have a shot. That and I mean I would say Oklahoma, but they've got the bugaboo of never being able to beat Oklahoma. Right. Obviously it's much a, better Kyler Murray uh ask Baker Mayfield Oklahoma yeah, teams. Right. But that that those are the only two games that I would say that if statistically they have a shot in, I would only other make the argument that you know if you have J T Daniels, you're never not going to have a chance to win a game. Mm-hmm. Although he was terrible against Texas Tech, he needs to get that figured out. Tough spot in the season for the Mountaineers. And I saw also a tweet as well, which I thought was really interesting. Somebody was claiming the uh, standard for West Virginia had been lowered in the past decade and a half because it, Bill Stewart was asked to resign from West Virginia with an overall record of twenty eight and twelve. Neil Brown got a contract extension at 11-11, now sets at 20-22 and on his career as a total record. And so. I don't think that's an indictment on Neil Brown as much as it is that I, I think that the end of the Bill Stewart era was just brutal for WVU mm. fans. Yeah. He wanted to make the, the move to a Power 5 conference. He wanted to bring in the flashy new head coach. That was Dana, who got you a 10-1 season, don't get me wrong, but they were not happy with consistent eight and four records from Bill Stewart. They wanted more. They expected more. And it's one of those grasses and always greener things because they went from him to Dana, who again gave us two, three really entertaining seasons, that 10 year or the 10 win season with um, just completely forgot his name, the quarterback. Gino? No. Uh, <laughs> uh, Pat? Pat? No, um, and then, and then uh, I'll, I'll the, circle the back. Skyler Howard, and oh. then uh, the, who was the, the one that had the tick? The, his brother was the TikTok guy. Will Greer. That was Will Greer, and then they had the Will Greer. Is <laughs> yeah. what I meant to say. But they took a step back with Dana going into a Power Five conference, and then you know they've taken another step back with Neil Brown. Um, obviously, you know Bill Stewart is no longer with us, but you have to wonder what the history would look like if he would have gotten a chance to coach in the Power 5 level for a couple of seasons based on how consistent his programs were and how good he was at recruiting those local areas because Dana came in and just refused to recruit anywhere that wasn't Texas. And he wasn't going to get anybody away from Texas because we're not in Texas. Um, And then, obviously, Neil Brown took over a depleted program and a struggle to rebuild. And I think that's been a big issue for West 
Virginia overall being in the Big 12 Conference, you're all, there's always has been like a leg down on them with the recruiting side because all those Big 12 kids are coming out of Texas, Oklahoma, the Midwest, some guys, Michigan, Ohio, even Ohio, a spot where West Virginia probably would win the recruiting battle there. Kids are wanting to go to Ohio State, Penn State, and go down to Texas and Oklahoma of those big-name schools. And that's something that really the Mountaineers really have to establish here in the next few years as a brand. And I think that's something that's very concerning. Do, do players want to come play for a Neil Brown brand? Are players going to transfer out? If you let go of Neil Brown, are players going to transfer out? There's a lot of variables that are in play. And I'm not going to knock Neil Brown as a recruiter. He's done really good in that aspect of the program. But it's year four and the results need to start showing, I think. Well, what do you say to the people that say, well, recruit West Virginia more? Why aren't there more West Virginia guys? Are there enough D1 athletes in West Virginia to suffice you know, recruiting more in-state? Because, I mean, it does seem like you look at Tyson Bajits and you know things like that that you know got completely overlooked by West Virginia because of what you said, that coaches you know, were going in all these different states. I mean, why not? filter more West Virginia kids in. Yeah, I mean, Bajan's always going to be a great example based on the quarterback play that Neil Brown had here at the beginning of his tenure, but it wasn't Neil Brown that missed Bajan. It was Dana mm-hmm. that missed Bajan and the controversy, obviously, there that we don't need to get into. Uh, I think Neil Brown, <clears throat> excuse me, has done a pretty good job of recruiting the state. I mean, you look at your offensive line, and it's Wyatt Milam, who's an in-state guy, Zach Frazier, who's an in-state guy, uh, and then Doug Nestor, who left because Dana didn't want him, goes to Virginia Tech, and then comes back to WVU. So you've got three in-state guys amongst your offensive line. You know, I I think maybe Amir Richardson was one, Mm -hmm. somebody that they missed on a couple of years ago, but he's gone to Marshall and he's kind of fizzled out. I think getting uh, that preferred walk-on for Preston Fox, because that's always been key for WVU teams, is they've always had a steady diet of upperclassmen, special teamers turned into backups that have been in-state guys. I'm, you may know better than me, Jordan, just the, the the cavalcade of Bridgeport players. I remember the Pancake Brothers, just because their name uh-huh. was Pancake, <laughs> and all the different guys that the uh, Bonamico was yeah. one of them yeah. that yeah. played. There were a couple Bonamicos. That they played um, on, they were preferred walk-ons, didn't play for two years, and then by their junior and senior year, they were contributing members of defenses. Uh, John Lewis from university is another good example. Uh I don't think that there's enough talent in the state to say that that's what could turn the program around, but there's enough talent in Pittsburgh. You know, they've got uh, yep. the receiver coming in from that area, Philadelphia, Baltimore's where Tavon Austin came from, mm-hmm. you know, the Ohio area that's just east of Columbus. There's a good rich amount of talent there that Neil Brown's done a better job of recruiting. Uh, but he hasn't gotten the most out of this talent. It almost makes you wish that you have Dana's ability to just uh, just milk the most out of his offense as possible uh, linked with Neil Brown's ability to recruit, that that would be the best-case scenario for this team. But Neil Brown's not been getting the results, and Dana was not a very good recruiter. So you're just kind of stuck in the middle. Well, let us know what you think. You can text us, 304-263-4321, 304-263-4321. I feel like I've asked this question 100 times. What's the fix to West Virginia? Is it more in-state, guys? Is it... Coach, what is it? What do you think it is? Texas 304-263-4321. We come back, talk a little Shepherd football here on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Join the conversation on Twitter at EP News Network.
Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Bath. You can check them out at mountaineerkitchensandbath.com on Facebook, or you can go to their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. You can always get in touch with us by texting us at 304-263-4321. Or you can always tweet us at EP News Network. We had an interesting tweet. Let me find this again uh, here quick. Yesterday... Uh, directed at Parker Stone. Now, of course, <laughs> we were uh, we we've mentioned before that uh, Parker he's uh, he likes to consider himself a little bit of a gym rat, uh, and he's trying to beef up a little bit. And apparently, he uh, referred to himself as Adonis. Is that correct? It was it was jokingly. Uh, I think it was Mon. It was either Monday or Tuesday afternoon. We were Luke Rona and I were looking over some stuff, and I was we were jokingly caught talking about midlife crises. And I do I my, mine was. I think somebody told me that I told them, like my quarter life crisis was me turning into a Jim Adonis or something like that. And well, uh, <laughs> we brought that up yesterday that Parker referred to himself as Adonis jokingly, but still referred to himself as Adonis. Which, look, I like you, Parker, but that might be a little bit of a stretch. <laughs> not gonna lie. One of these days. But we got an interesting text from, uh, and I'll, I'll at them, and I'm sorry if this ends up being a real person. I apologize, but at Zach Lynn eight. Right says at least you didn't compare. At least he didn't compare himself to Ronnie Coleman, which if uh, you're familiar with weightlifting and things like that, Ronnie Coleman is just massive. I mean, a literal muscle hamster. Although I think is that what you're going five. for? Is that the long term goal? You going for no, bodybuilder or, or, or I mean, I'm not you trying to be aesthetic be, or what? I mean, I just want to be like fit, like Dorito. What they call it, Dorito chip, <laughs> where it's like white up top. Small in the middle. Parker Dorito chip stuff. Well, anyway, I bring that up because uh, upon further investigation through Zach Lynn's Twitter profile. Um, they have no followers. Again, no disrespect for a real uh, person, Zachlin8. Uh, only following four people, which brings up another question because one of the four people they're following is old Luke Wiggs, and they have no tweets, no likes, no nothing. So bon whose bon. burner is it? Somebody's got to tell who's us. Who's burner is it? Somebody's got to tell us whose burner Zachlin8 is. And it isn't mine. That's my to pump my up. hands are off my phone right now, Zach, if you could confirm your identity. <laughs> what if it's, what if it's, it's Jordan's burner and he's trying to pin this on hey, us, Luke? I mean, I've never seen... Zach and Luke in the same place. That's a good point. I've never, Zach seen, I've never seen Zach and you in the same place. I'm just saying. I'm just Zach, saying. bail me out. So yeah. Tweet again. Tweet at us Zach, again, Zach, Zach, tweet us and reveal yourself. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> you can always tweet at us at EP News Network or, of course, text us 304-263-4321. So coming up here in a few minutes after the bottom of the hour break, we're going to be chatting with D2Football.com's PSAC columnist, Kerry Moyer, uh, to talk about Shepard Rams. And one thing I'm interested about, which uh, I don't know if you guys have maybe a take on why they're still sitting at number six, but in their top 25 poll, the 8 no Shepard Rams remain at number six. Now, of course, in the AFCA poll, Shepard is at number three, which the FCA poll is really the one that you know you care about. Um, but interesting enough that they still remain number six. So why do you think the Rams have remained out of the top five in the D2Football.com poll? Well, we've talked about strength of schedule a lot. The one that's hard for me to wrap my head around is the Ferris State above them, obviously picking up that loss to Grand Valley State earlier in the year. And I understand that in a lot of people's minds, those are the two best teams in college football. They played each other and one of them lost. Yeah. You know, in my mind, I... I agree with the AFCA poll that Grand Valley is the best until they're not anymore based on who they've played and where they play and then Angelo State behind them you know we got to be honest with ourselves that that Texas region regardless of classification oh, yeah. is is the hub of college football I totally understand that and then it should be Shepard 3 Pittsburgh State I think is in Kansas uh, yes. you know, mm-hmm. I, there's just not the same level of competition out there. Uh, Quachita Baptist as well as somebody else that falls into that list that Shepard has done everything right. They're putting up gaudy numbers on offense and their defense continues to get better and they're undefeated. 
you know, it, in my mind, I'm liking more to the AFCA poll than I am to the D2Football.com poll. Mm-hmm. The strength of schedule is a, is a comment that I've made in the past, but you can't line up their schedule with Pittsburgh State's or Wichita exactly. Baptist School or, and say that, that one's better than the other. And then one, of course, has last year's basically Eisman winner and is putting up just as good offensive numbers this season. So I, I didn't answer your question. I'm just putting more coal <laughs> under the fire, and it's more questions, of course, to ask a, a very nice Kerry Moyer, who I'm sure will explain it to us, because I, I'm sure he's going to come on and say, I don't know what these guys are doing. I have them third. <laughs> you know, we'll have to wait and find out. Well, Parker, that's what I was going to say, was you can't just base it off strength of schedule, because even with a, even with a, uh, call it, I'm not saying that the PSAC's down right now, but if the PSAC were to be down, it'd still be one of the toughest conferences in D2 football. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that 100%. And I mentioned it yesterday on the show. They beat Kutztown at, on the road at Kutztown. And if they don't lose to Assumption Week One, I think Cutstown's a ranked team right now. Yeah. So, and then you've got you wish this was a year they would play Slippery Rock and IUP and we get that side of the PSAC yeah. West because I mean Slippery Rock's ranked at number fifteen, I believe. I think they'll I, play them soon enough. Yeah, and then IUP they'll be getting pro- more than likely IUP in the PSAC championship game if the things fall correctly the way we see it. And IUP is currently ranked number thirteen, so they could get those that ranked win towards the end of their season and launch them into the playoffs, but. Again, there's nothing they can do about that schedule. It's how it's put out. It's how it's set up. And I don't think they should be penalized for it. And like Luke alluded to before, the offense is clicking on all cylinders. You have arguably the best player in all of Division II football and Tyson Bajan on your roster, an emerging star in Ronnie Brown, a defense that's more than showcased why they should be ranked at least in the top four of Division II football teams. And Piecing it all together, I think it's just a little bit of disrespect. People don't know about Little Shepherd's Town and Little Shepherd over there, and they're like, all right, this is the hub of football right here. This is Texas. This is upper central Michigan. This is kind of where we're comfortable at. And I understand there might be a little bit of fear ranking Shepherd that high because, of course, the Ferret State game they had last year kind of wasn't a good yeah, show. Getting beat like that wasn't the best look. It wasn't the best look in the eyes of voters and looking at people in the D2 poll. So that, may be, that might be why Ferris State is ranked above Shepard in that. But again, Shepard's 8-0. Ferris State has a loss. If you look at metrics, Shepard should be above Ferris State. That's that's my take on it. Well, text us 304-263-4321 if you've got any questions related to Shepard football, PSAC championship game, or you know any questions at all, really. You can text us 304-263-4321. Coming up after the break, we'll be chatting with D2Football.com's PSAC columnist, Kerry Moyer, here on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Mix up your sports coverage with Panhandle Sports Live. Heard on the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths. You can check them out at mountaineerkitchensandbath.com on Facebook, or you can visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road, Martinsburg. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Don't forget, you can uh, catch every Shepherd Rams football game play-by-play over on 95.9 The Big Dog. Pre-game show will be starting at 11 a.m. for the noon kickoff for Military Appreciation Day and Senior Day on Saturday. And also, don't forget, tonight at 7.30 over on 95.9 The Big Dog is the Ernie McCook Show. And this is a pretty star-studded lineup for the Ernie McCook Show. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on here in the show. But to talk about Shepherd football... Well, let's bring into the show D2Football.com's PSAC columnist, Kerry Moyer. Kerry, how are you doing this morning? Doing great. Thanks for having me on, Jordan. Absolutely. So uh, the first thing I really want to bring up with you is why do y'all continue to have Shepard ranked out of the top five in your top 25 poll? 
<laughs> well, I'm a, I'm only one vote out of the, <laughs> the whole crew that has it there. And I, I'll be totally honest. I've uh, I've had Shepard ranked at number two for uh, the last several weeks. So, uh, but again, I'm just one vote. So, what do you think? Kind of goes into it. We've uh, kind of tried to brainstorm about it here on the show uh, a couple of times. I mean, is it as simple as strength of schedule for this year? Is what's kind of keeping them out of the top five in other voters' minds? You think? Well, I think if you look at it, and again, our, our crew does a great job with uh, doing the show every Sunday night and you know going through the top games from around the country throughout the week. And uh, the strength of schedule, you know, for for some of those at the top, uh, you know, of course, Grand Valley, uh, you know, had that showdown with uh, Ferris State, you know, which which you know catapulted them into number one spot. But you know, the, the Grand Valleys, the Angeles States, you know, uh, you know, a, a bunch of uh, other undefeateds there too. Um, you know, it, it's it's just really that that top ten is uh, is loaded. So uh, again, I've I've had Shepard a little bit higher, having them at at six in our poll. That top ten uh, is just loaded from around the country. Well, you've seen a Shepard a couple of times now. We crossed paths with you at the Westchester game, and then I think you had said earlier you're at the Kutztown game. So you've seen them in some tighter matchups. Uh, you've seen them, uh, you know, kind of handle their business against some lesser teams. Uh, some unbiased eyes seeing the Rams. Uh, what's your opinion uh, on this year's Shepard squad? Well, if you go back to the preseason, and again, when we put out our preseason to, uh, top 25 on D2Football.com, um, you know, we we had a a recorded segment there and uh i talked about the psac schools that were in and uh you know brandon really kind of asked me about who i saw as the uh the contender in, in super region one and you know going back to the preseason you know i said shepherd again just with the amount of of talent and and upperclassmen leadership that they're bringing back uh you know it, it's just you know i i think start to finish they're 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 the pick in Super Region One. Yeah, you, know, you may say I'm a little biased because I'm the the PSAC guy, but uh, you know I, I really do see that um, you know that they're the number one team in Super Region One. And again, you know strength of schedule and where these teams will shake out. Of course, the Super Region One. Uh, you know, list that came out this week was listed alphabetically. I know a lot of folks got really twisted about that. Next week, we'll we'll see it with, with the rankings. But uh, you know, unbiased look uh, again. I saw them, you know, Shepherd live twice this season up at Kutztown, and uh, you know, last weekend when we got to connect at Westchester, and. Uh, you know, again, those were two road games. Maybe you could say a little bit of a slow start. Uh, you know, to start both of those games, of course, uh, you know, Kutztown it was a night and day difference between uh, you know the the first half and and the second half. You know, with with Kutztown, uh, you know, again they had you know seven in the first quarter, seven in the second. You know, Kutztown was seven and fourteen, so Kutztown actually went into the half in the lead. But you know, the halftime adjustments and 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 Shepard being the the Shepherd that we know in the second half they really just kind of uh you know took that game over and uh same thing with westchester you know they they kind of had a uh a little bit of slow start to the first quarter but then they just poured it on um you know it, you know in the second quarter and the rest of the half second half so carry throughout the, the whole rest of the PSAC as well there's two other teams ranked in you all's top 25 iup's coming in at that 11 spot, I believe, and then you got Slippery Rock by, right behind them at 12. Oh, excuse me, 12 IUP, 13 Slippery Rock. 
So for it looks like like IUP is probably going to be the team coming out of the other side of the PSAC for the title game. And if IUP were to be ranked inside of that top ten for you all's poll, do you think that's what Shepard needs to get that boost into the rankings, or is it, or is there more elements outside of that? Yeah, th- there's there's a lot of elements outside of that. Of course, you know, solely you know they're, they're not looking at our D2Football.com <laughs> rankings. But again, the, I think one of the things that's kind of been IUP's been playing catch-up all season. Uh, they were out of the 16 teams in the PSAC. They were the only team that did not have a non-league game week one. So, uh, you know, they've been playing catch-up. Uh, you know, and, and so they're 7-0. and You know, of course, you know, Shepard's in at 8-0. At and But, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, you kind of look at what, what the what the Shepard Rams have done, though, uh, you know, with their schedule. I mean, again, you can't let Cal out of this conversation. And, again, mm-hmm. I think, you know, California PA had probably the roughest go in the crossover games. They, of course, had that game, you know, at Shepard, and they also played Kutztown. I don't think you could have a a tougher draw, you know, in the crossover games. but um, yeah, and I, I saw Slippery Rock, you know, live twice this season. Um, you know, when they did their crossover games, and again, they're just uh, you know one step behind in, in losing to uh, to IUP. Um, but again, IUP, I, I know it's not nationally talked about, but when you look at their their game coming up this week, you know, they're playing Gannon, and you know. Uh, Gannon's, you know, sitting at six and two. They're four and one in the the PSAC West. Uh, so, you know, that's that's, you know, again, that's not a give me. Um, you know, of course, I'm I'm predicting IUP to win that, but you know, that that should help. Uh, you know. Uh, them as well. And then next week, Clary, and of course, uh, you know, this week coming up and next week, you know, Shepard has, uh, you know, Bloomsburg and East Stroudsburg. East Stroudsburg's another one of those that's just had a, a tough go. Uh, you know, they, they lost uh, a close one to IUP, you know, in crossover action. And, uh, you know, a lot of their games that they have lost, uh, you know, to Kutztown, you know, things like that, they, they've been by a couple points and at the end. Uh, so again, you, you got to control the control you can't control, you know, who's on the schedule, where they're at, you know, with, with the games. You just go out and keep uh, keep putting up the points on people like Shepard does, you know, with the the number one ranked offense in the the PSAC putting up forty five point one points a game. Um, you know, you just go out and do your thing. Well, I wanted to circle back to a point that you had made, and obviously it's just an opinion, but you know, for Shepard. Uh, trending towards most likely representing the PSAC East uh, in that conference championship game. Uh, just to reiterate something that you had said earlier, if Shepard's able to run the table, and that's a big ask with two quality opponents left on their schedule and then potentially a, a conference tournament ma- or championship game matchup with IUP and Slippery Rock, in your mind, if the Rams are able to run the table and win that conference championship game, uh, is that enough to get that top seed in the region? Because, of course, that number one seed uh, gets that bye through that seven-team side of the bracket. Um, and I had seen some speculation when the region rankings were released. Like you said, uh, they were alphabetical. Uh, one place I looked, a couple other places had Shepard maybe projected as two. Uh, if they're able to end the season undefeated, in your mind, does that give them enough to get that first-round bye? I think so. Uh, and again, you know, looking at a lot of the projections, like you, you said, you know, a super region one, I think some of the, the projections there are, you know, Ashland at number one, of course, they're sitting at seven and zero, um, you know, but um, you, you would have to think so. I, I fully anticipate both Shep, Shepard and IUP going into that. 
CSAC championship game. Of course, they'll be out in the West this year. Uh, you know, both going into that game undefeated. And uh, like you said, that that's crucial. I, again, it's it's how your team's built. And I, I think whether you know Shepard has to play the first week, um, you know, or they they get that by uh, again. Gamers gamers love to play. So you know, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily a a uh, a negative if they do get a second seed and have to play that first week. And uh, again, you know, knock on wood, and it's it's for every team out there. Uh, you know, Shepherds uh, remained relatively healthy. You know, throughout throughout the season. Um, you know, again, of course, having a you know the Harlan Hill you know Trophy winner as your quarterback, and you know he's consistent there. You know, every week. Um, you know, I think we've seen a lot of other teams in the PSAC that are on. You know second, third, fourth options, a lot of their skill positions that are really crucial. And, you know, it's kind of the way the, the season has gone for some of the teams. But, again, uh, um, you know, Shepard's built for this. Um, you know, they, they've got the, the high-scoring offense. Uh, and as far as, uh, you know, defense goes, they're, <laughs> they're, they're the number two ranked defense in the, the PSAC, only giving up 15.4 points a game. So, um, you know, on the flip side of that, when you look at the, the probable matchup here with IUP, IUP's got the number two ranked offense and uh, the number three ranked defense in the PSAC. So uh, I'm... <laughs> I'm getting excited. That's a couple of weeks away. <laughs> that PSAC uh, championship game, you know, is is, is going to be uh, on Saturday, November 12th. But uh, you know, I, I'm fully expecting that that's the matchup we'll see. Will be uh, Shepard and IUP. And we're speaking with Kerry Moyer, PSAC columnist over at D2Football.com. Uh, and I want to hear your opinion on that 2021 Harlan Hill Award winner, Tyson Bajan, and also your opinion on the one-two punch that's been created with Tyson and Ronnie Brown there in that backfield. Now, nationally, Tyson, he's ranked third, uh, I believe, in passing yards with 2,563 uh, behind McKendry's t- uh, Turner Pullen and Concord, shout out Parker, uh, Concord's Jack Mangle at t- 2,595. So uh, what are your thoughts on how this offense has kind of uh, blossomed out because last year Tyson didn't have a whole lot of targets downfield other than his tight end. This year he's got some pretty good wide receivers and of course he can give it to that Ronnie Brown and he's just as electric as can be. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, as, as far as, uh, you know, throwing up that, uh, that perfect pitch to hit here, you know, with Tyson, uh, again, you talked about, uh, you know, it's a little bit on the national scene, you know, he was a PSAC athlete, offensive athlete of the week last week, you know, going 29 to 34, 296 yards, three touchdowns throwing and uh, another rushing touchdown. He leads the PSAC with 320.4 yards a game and his uh, 23 TDs. And uh, when you talk about uh, running back Ronnie Brown, uh, number one in the PSAC, number two in the nation, averaging 116.5 yards uh, rushing a game. And uh, Marlon Cook at wide receiver, he's the number number three ranked uh, receiver right now in the PSAC with averaging uh, 103.6 yards a game. Uh, you know, and he's got 78 points. And, uh, you know, you talk about, again, you know, usually not big uh, numbers guys, but Brian Walker at tight end, I think the thing that will forever stick out uh, in my mind is, you know, we talked about that Kutztown game and them being down at half and coming out. And he 
I, to, nobody's going to change my opinion on that. He was a difference maker coming out in that second half. They just, you know, Tyson just started hitting him and got things rolling there early in the third, third quarter uh, to, to, to flip that game around. So, you know, having, you know, the running back, the receiver, the tight end, uh, you know, that that's just, you know, and of course we can't forget up front, those guys up front, being an old offensive lineman myself, love those guys. And we got, you know, a, a Joey Fisher leading the way there already uh, selected to play uh, you know postseason all-star game with the hula bowl uh the offense uh there's just not weaknesses just mm-hmm. not weaknesses well carrie we'll let you go i appreciate you joining us here on panhandle sports live this morning you can follow carrie on twitter at carrie warriors a great follow especially if you're a d2 football a PSAC football and a shepherd football fan but we did get a text in while uh, you were joining us carrie it said so the usuals and again you can text us 304-263-4321 it says the usuals ranked ahead of shepherd pittsburgh state whatever so uh that's how some of the people are thinking of those d2football.com polls what do you think carrie well, you know, my closing comments is that's why we go out, you know, every Saturday and play the game. So, you know, rankings are great. You know, people have lots of thoughts. But at the end of the day, you know, uh, these guys go out and make the plays, and uh, it's all going to work itself out in the end. Awesome. Well, Kerry, thanks again for joining us on Panhandle Sports Live. Sounds great. See you, See you again, man. And that was Kerry Moyer from D2Football.com, the PSAP columnist. Again, you can follow him at Kerry Moyer on Twitter. Uh, Interesting stuff. And it's finally, it's nice to finally hear, uh, and Luke, you were spot on, by the way, hear the reasoning behind Shepard not being in the top five of the poll. But Kerry said he had him at two, so uh, it's understandable there. But we do have to get to our last break. We come back, we'll get Parker's picks, and we'll uh, wrap things up here on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths. You can check them out at mountaineerkitchensandbath.com on Facebook, or you can visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Proving it never fails. Never failed once. All right, guys. Thankfully for overtime, R.J. Barrett hit the over. I was sweating Ooh, to come. I was baby. I was sweating to come in this morning, going over three and striking out. He didn't have out. to carry Jalen Brunson's water on defense. He would have an unbelievable. season. I know. Jalen Brunson, Brunson had an insane game though. He's he had just like, what, tired. Like thirty-seven. John Sparks. He too. can't stop it. John Sparks. <laughs> Let's relax. Relax. He just can't guard anybody. And Barrett's having to do all that defending for him. He's wearing the poor man out. Yeah, it's tough. But sadly, uh, Wendell Carter needed 10 rebounds. He got nine last night. So that's always a... Always the tough one there, and James Harden. He was, I think, seven off of his PRA. He needed forty. He needed forty-one to hit the over. He had, ended up having thirty-four. Man, no. I thought that was a lock too. I thought it, I, I, I almost that made one. that lock of the day yesterday, which is a good thing I did. Forty-eight but, over should be your lock every day. For, hey, he hit it. It was a little bonus slip I did, and forty-eight hit his over on that one. But it is no sweat Thursday, and I, you guys know about this. When I walked in, was trying to figure out what to go for. I was having a tough time. It was with a sweaty matchup. no sweat Thursday. It's it's a it's a little. <laughs> sweaty no sweat Thursday as we got Ravens we got Bucks tonight and I had a hard time figuring out what I was going to lock in but 
We have <laughs> the suspense is killing me. I don't think he's picked yet. I think he's making. His <laughs> I'm making the pick as we speak. No, we got a uh, Tom Brady 225 plus passing yards tonight. I think that's the lock of the day. This is a game where Tom Brady's got to show, hey, he's not washed. He's not having a last season in Minnesota Brett Favre type of season. So I think Brady's going to hit that 225 passing yards. Ravens secondary's shown moments where they can get a little bit exposed, but. I think Brady can hit the 225. I think that's the over the base over under is 275 and a half. So I think if you use that 225 and bundle it with some things, you you should be okay. I like Leonard Fournette going over 40 and a half, eight and a half rushing yards tonight against this game too. Ravens have allowed a lot of rushing yards to the running backs the past few games. Clyde Edwards Alaire had 92. Nick Chubb had 91 last week. Saquon Barkley had 85. And they had Joe Mixon run for 78, and Joe Mixon's had a tough time finding the holes in a rough Bengals offensive line this season. So I think Fournette adds a very courteous 48-and-a-half rushing yards. I know the Bucks' rushing offense is historically bad, but I think 48-and-a-half is very generous, and I think Fournette should be able to get it. And then Ravens over on total points in the game, 22-and-a-half. Ravens have scored or anywhere around that point, 24, 27, 21. I think they get the over in points in what could be a pretty decent game where uh, I think the Bucks are favored by a point-and-a-half in this one, so... This one could go either way. I was afraid to pick who would win this one, but lock of the day if you missed it once again. Brady, 225-plus passing yards. Uh, there was a texture last week that asked us to do a fantasy football starter sit on Thursday. It's a mm-hmm. little it's a little too late. That's my fault. I should have worked it. We'll do it through Fridays, I feel like. Yeah, we, could, we could do it then, or I'm, all I was going to say is if you had a fantasy football question that you wanted to ask in the next three and a half minutes, <laughs> send uh, it now. please send it in. <laughs> I, I will say that... Uh, I'm 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 good with this being the turnaround. No offense to the Ravens, but mm-hmm. this is Tom Brady's turnaround yeah. game. Uh, as much as I hate to say it, uh, banged up Ravens secondary. The look at the defenses he's going to be playing the next couple of weeks. He still played. I can't say he played well against Carolina because they scored three points, but he threw for 270 yards passing, only threw five incompletions, didn't throw a pick. So he's not necessarily the problem. So if you're wondering, as I'm starting Tom Brady in a league tonight, one of the starter sets questions would be that TB12 quarterback, and I'm putting him in my lineup today. Well, uh, I mean, of course, as a Ravens fan, I want the Ravens to win, but I absolutely see where they lose this game for sure. I, I mean, I, I thought they should have lost last week. And I don't. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm implying that the Bucks are going to win. I'm just saying that there's going to be a lot of offense in this game uh, with the Ravens getting healthy on the offensive side of the ball, but banged up in the secondary and the Bucks defense struggling to stop people. But you've got Tom Brady and one of the best wide receiver tandems when healthy in the NFL and Leonard Fournette's. Not bad in his own right. Right. So there you go. Well, and uh, also, not going to lie to you, I would have completely not realized that the uh, Ravens played today if it wasn't for you asking that betting question when you came in this morning, Parker. It's a good way to spend a Thursday. A little Captain Benders. A right. little Ravens cool down. I know Coach go. McCook. I know he's a Ravens fan. Got the Ravens game on, doing the McCook show. We think, we think oh, uh, oh, which by the way, oh, yeah. the uh, Ernie McCook show is live from Captain Benders at 7.30 tonight. Special think, guests. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, special oh. guests with it being uh, Senior Day. Oh, and before that, uh, <laughs> the game on Saturday, it's Military Appreciation Day and Senior Day. Uh, 11 seniors being honored. But uh, along with the Military Appreciation Day festivities, going to be a big-time flyover for the game. So uh, if you want to have, see more information, head over to PanhandleNewsNetwork.com. There's an article up on the pregame festivities. But for the Ernie McCook Show tonight, again, at 7.30 over on 95.9 The Big Dog, it is president of the college, um, Dr. Mary J.C. Hendricks, Boom. fullback Michael McCook, Boom. and 2021 Harlan Hill Award winner QB1 Tyson Bajit will be joining the Ernie McCook Show tonight at 7.30 at Captain Bender's. I just wanted to add, there was a, a an elite exchange between Jordan and I think it was uh, Coach McCook's wife. We, we were coming down the, 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 the stands from a, a Shepherd game talking about what the military appreciation uh, uh, Coach McCook show is going to look like. And uh, Coach McCook's wife, her name escapes me, I apologize. Mm-hmm. Uh, she said, oh, the president is going to be there. And Jordan goes, 
Biden. <laughs> well, okay. So for context, that was so funny. For context, for context, President Biden. That was when he was up in Hagerstown. Yeah. So it was that weekend. President Biden. Yeah, it was that weekend, and uh, she said that. And if I wish I'd have seen a mirror to see what my face looked like when she said with the president, and I said Biden back to her because you know you never know. And I told her I was like, hey, it could be a Shepherd football. I was fan. like, Coach. Right. I was like, Coach Cooks. He's a big deal to me. So uh, maybe he's a big deal, and the president wants to talk to him. But she met Dr. J.C. Hendricks and Mary J.C. Hendricks, and she'll be joining the show along with Michael McCook and Tyson Bajan. That's at 7.30 tonight over on 95.9 The Big Dog. Have a good rest of your day. Panhandle Live is next. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here too.